good to see you here for Wednesday night uh, prayer and Bible study time. And I have to admit, while I was, I was back a moment ago finishing up a couple of things, uh, preparing and uh, listening to the live stream and thinking about what a privilege it is that we have to gather together, both to study the Word of God, but to pray and to pray for other people. And uh, obviously I have a, a need in my family tonight with my mom and her health. And I just can't tell you what it's meant to us to have so many people, not just within our church, but uh, on social media reaching out, people texting us and whatnot, reminding us that they're praying for my mom. And uh, that goes for everybody on that list. That's how they feel knowing that there's a lot of people praying for them tonight. And uh, I can tell you I appreciate it very much. Quick report on her. I talked to my dad just a moment ago, and I got to see her when she came out of surgery this afternoon, and boy, she's a warrior, I'll tell you, when you realize what they had to do and how they had to cut and go in there behind her eyeball and, and, uh, and biopsy that, uh, that artery that's in there. We were quite worried this morning, uh, about 6.30 up there at the, uh, at the clinic as she was going in for that, and uh, thank the Lord, she went through it, got through it just fine, uh, and they did get the biopsy out. I got to see her when she came out, and she's smiling with her thumbs up. Uh, that's, that's her. That's her. That's just her. And uh, she got home and is resting tonight. And uh, pray over the next seven days. That's when the biopsy will be coming back to find out exactly what's going on. And we're praying that it's something that is treatable. But I do appreciate your prayers, as do everyone we've prayed for tonight. And I hope you pray throughout the week. It means a lot to know that, especially when something's out of our reach. You know, I don't like things out of my reach. Uh, I, I don't think I'm a control freak. You know, you can ask my wife, maybe Brother Nate, maybe I am a control freak. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I don't like things when out of my hands, when I can't control them and I can't fix them. I told someone today, I'm a woodworker by trade. If it's wood, I usually can fix it. Uh, if, if my car was made out of wood, I'd never have to go to a mechanic. But sometimes I have to go sometimes to people outside of my skill set. And uh, things in the medical area that are outside of our reach, whether it's in my family or yours, isn't there a peace knowing that there is one that we can go to and it's not outside his reach? And I know people appreciate you praying for them tonight. Colossians chapter 1, let's jump into it if we could. Colossians chapter number 1. Uh, you may not believe me, but uh, I decided early on in the year that I was going to try to be uh, more punctual, if possible, cut out some of the rabbit chasing. Uh, and uh, I even threatened to give Brother Michael a, uh, a fake shotgun up here on the front row to wave it to let me know I need to shoot the rabbit and quit chasing it. Uh, so Brother Michael, we might have to work on that. One of my Bible college professors, that's what, uh, that's what he would tell the person on the front seat. It's your job to shoot the rabbit. So if he started chasing a rabbit in our lesson time, they would raise their hand and let him know, shoot the rabbit. It's time to quit chasing it. But I don't want to keep you any longer than we need to. Uh, I want to share with you what God's laid on our heart. But glad you get home. I know you have to work tomorrow and kids have school. But I am thankful God's given us something. Remain seated tonight if you don't mind. We're going to read several verses I want you to pay close attention as we read down to about verse 10. Colossians 1, verse, uh, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now notice that, there's that comfort there, knowing that Paul was praying for them. That's the same comfort we give others when we pray for them as well. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringing forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. 
as ye also as as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Now watch the next three verses. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Boy, there's a lot to unravel there, but let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you tonight for the privilege to gather on a, a cold night here in February. Uh, Lord, to not only come and study your word, but Father, to pray for others. And we lift them all up to you tonight. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you, Father, for how you've blessed. And we do pray you bless again tonight. Lord, bless as we've opened your word. Help us, Lord, to receive the message you have for us. Help us apply it. Help us be changed by it. And I thank you tonight in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to focus mainly in down around verse number 9 and verse number 10. Uh, but in our Sunday nights, we haven't had two Sunday nights in a row, so it's been just a little while. But in our Sunday nights, we've been covering finding the how to our now. Uh, this year, our theme is obviously what's your now and finding your now. What is God's will for our life right now? And I pray you've begun to seek that and to prayerfully proceed in what God has already made known to you. And so in that series on Sunday nights, we're looking at finding the how. How do we find God's will? And we're looking at other examples in Scripture who found the will of God for their life. Uh, but oftentimes, once we begin trying to be aware of the need, the opportunity, and the work that's around us, what happens in my, in my life, and probably in yours as well, when you start looking for needs, opportunities, and work, suddenly it's everywhere, isn't it? It's oftentimes we get oblivious to the needs and opportunities and work that's around us. But when you genuinely start seeking your now, okay, God, what is the need, the opportunity, and the work that you have in my life right now? When you really start lifting up your eyes and looking on the fields, you see they are truly white unto harvest. And you start getting overwhelmed by all of the needs, the opportunities, and the work that's out there. It reminded me this afternoon when I was a kid, we used to walk around our yard, and I guess it was the springtime, and pick the blackberries and the dewberries that would grow in our yard. And we just thought that was the neatest thing. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been talking a lot today, as I normally do, and my voice is a little bit hoarse. I appreciate that. Um, we would walk around our yard, and we'd pick up those blackberries and those dewberries that were there. And we thought it was neat finding all of that free fruit. You know, it's just everywhere, walking around, picking them up, and we'd find a little strand of five or six here, and mom would give us a Cool Whip container, and we'd go over, and we'd pick those, and we'd go looking for more, and we'd pick those, and we'd come in, and boy, we thought we had found a lot, half a Cool Whip container full, and mom would take them and put them in a cobbler, and there's nothing like mom's fresh blackberry cobbler, amen, I'm sure all of us have a mom or a grandmother who's made that before, or maybe just go to the local buffet downtown and get you some there as well, it's probably just as good, and uh, I remember my mom and dad telling us, do you want to find more? I said, yeah, we want to find more. We, man, we found like 13 over here in the backyard. And mom and dad took us down the end of the driveway. We took a left. And right there at the main gate of the camp, uh, they took us to one of the big ditches there by our house, kind of a bluff and a ditch. And it was covered with blackberry vines that were there. And as far as you could see, there were blackberries everywhere. And you started picking this one, and next thing you know, you're picking this one and this one. And you've done walks 30 feet down the ditch picking blackberries. And after a while, you're overwhelmed. They are everywhere. And so at some point, I, me and my sister, my brother, we're picking all those blackberries there. I said, okay, you take this section. 
and I'll take this section, and you take this section, and we narrowed down all of the opportunity to find exactly what we needed to do personally, okay? Now, if you look for need, opportunity, and work in regarding the will of God, you're going to get overwhelmed. It's everywhere. The needs are everywhere, the opportunities are everywhere, and the work is everywhere. But God doesn't want us to get overwhelmed. You're looking out there, good night, the world's dying and going to hell, what do I do? And then you get that paralysis by analysis. You're looking at all the opportunity, and after a while, you just shut down because you can't fix all of that. You've got to get to the place, and we've got to get to the place where we narrow down what our now is, okay? So rather than looking at finding the how in our now, we're going to narrow down our now tonight in the message if we could. So that's the subject, narrowing down our now. And the Apostle Paul is showing this church at Colossae how they can narrow down all of the needs, the opportunities, and the work that's out there to find God's will for their life. So jump down to verse 9, if you would. It says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, of their faith, you read those uh, following verses, the Bible says, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, they are obviously saved people. After you get saved, you ought to ask the question, now what? Okay? If you will do that the rest of your Christian life, you will fulfill what God left you here to do. You will both find and fulfill your now if you keep asking the question, okay, now what? So they got saved. We know that. The Apostle Paul identifies that. He's speaking to a local church. And so now he shows them the now what? And you see it in what they're praying for them. He says, we're praying in verse number nine, watch what he says, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. So narrowing down our now begins, number one, with knowing God's will, all right? If you're going to narrow down all of the need, the opportunity, and the work that is out there, you say, God, there's so much need, there's so much opportunity, and there's so much work. How do I know what my now is? Well, it begins with what Paul's prayer was for them. It begins with knowing God's will. Now, folks, this is a doozy, and I know it's easier said than done, but hear me out. Finding your now means you've got to put a priority on tuning in to God's perfect will for your life. Now, folks, I want you to know something. One of the greatest discoveries of your life is knowing that God has a will for you. The greatest discovery of your life is knowing God has a will for you. Can I tell you what one of the greatest difficulties in life is? Knowing God has a will for you. Okay? Now, here's the difficult part. The difficult part of knowing God's will is understanding that God's will has to fully replace our will. Okay, the greatest obstacle for you knowing God's will for your life and fulfilling your now is moving your will out of the way. George W. Truett said it this way. He says, to know God's will is the greatest knowledge. To do God's will is the greatest achievement. There's nothing like knowing and doing the will of God. Nothing like it. Knowing and doing the will of God, finding your now, will give you the greatest peace in the midst of the greatest trouble if you just have that nailed down. All right? I told somebody just yesterday, boy, the last couple of years have been crazy by the grace of God. Boy, we're having a great year. God's blessing our church. We're seeing growth in our church. We're seeing God move in our church. And I'm thankful for that. But boy, I want you to know 
Uh, there have been times I'd have been thinking about putting the life preserver on and jumping over the side of the ship had I not known this was God's will for my life. But in the midst of great trouble, there is great peace when you know you're doing God's will for your life. So the way that we narrow down all of the needs, the opportunities, and the works that are out there, it begins with what Paul said, verse 9. He says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, what was part of the prayer in Matthew chapter 6? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Do you know why he included that in there? Because that's something each and every one of us should learn how to pray. Thy will be done. You know, I have a list of things to do every day. Every day. I, I think all of us do, okay? We all are busy. We all have things to do. Our, we have kids. We have family. We have work. We have things we have to balance in our life. We all have things to do. And I get up, and I have plans before I ever roll out of bed. Are you like me? Your, your, your mind's clock begins going before you ever get out of bed. And you're already thinking about what you have to do, and your heart rate is already getting up. Think about all the things you have to do today. And after a while, you've thought about it so much, you don't even want to get out of bed anymore. You're like, pull the covers over, turn the lights off, I'm going back to bed. Because you have so much that you have to do. But in the midst of all that we have to do, we should be willing to pray, thy will be done. Why? Because you want to find and fulfill your now. And that begins with knowing God's will for your life. Sometimes that means me taking my list and setting it to the side because God's added something to my list. All throughout my day, things come along the way that maybe don't fit in what my plans were, but they were God's will for my life. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, we know it well, says to lean not into your own understanding. You see, that's the temptation. We lean upon our will and we seek our will and desire our will. That's why we don't know what our now is. Because we have no desire, what does he say, verse 9, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, what does the last part of verse 6 say in Proverbs 3? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. What are we seeking from? What's your now? That's a question. We're seeking direction. God, show us what our now is. God, show us why you left us here. God, show me why you woke me up this morning. I want to know that. God says, scratch your will out of the way, and I'll show you. Your will has got to give way to God's will. The other day we were at a Home Depot. Somebody gave us a Home Depot card for Christmas, and uh, my wife decided she was going to take it and, and remodel the, the foyer there at our house, and she's always keeping it nice and fresh and new. And, and so we're at Home Depot, and I pull out the gift card, and uh, the lady says, all right, scan the gift card. So I scan the gift card, and she says, all right, now you need to enter the PIN number. I said, all right, what's the PIN number? She says, it's right there. I said, right where? And I'm looking right, I don't see it. And she's got her fingernail, but her fingernail's like that long, and so she's pointing, I'm like, where? The card's only that big, you know, and I'm like, narrow it down a little bit. Remember, we were standing right there. And then all of a sudden, she took her fingernail and started scratching off this little gray spot that was on the bottom of the card. Magic trick. She scratched off this little gray spot, and these four digits started to appearing. She said, there's your PIN number. The PIN number was there all along, but I had to scratch off what was over it in order for it to be revealed. Now watch, if you want God's will to be revealed in your life, you're going to have to realize oftentimes it's being concealed by your will. Say, man, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Do you really? The truth of knowing God's will in your life comes at the cost of sacrificing your will for your life. That's why Paul's praying for them. Okay, now what? He said, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. 
Now, here's what the problem is. Oftentimes, the reason we don't know God's will and we can't find our now is because we're asking God to work within the confines of our will. Now, stick with me there, okay? We genuinely desire God to work in my life. God, I want you to work in my life, but I want you to work inside this circle right here. Let me give you, for instance, say you feel God burdening your heart to be a missionary, and God's calling you to be a missionary, and you're praying, God, I want you to show me where I'm supposed to go. Is it Tahiti or Hawaii? God says Siberia. God, I'm one to know your will for my life, and God, show me your will for my life. I want to fulfill your will right now in my life. Just show me, is it Tahiti or Hawaii? You see, we're asking God to operate inside the confines of what our will was. We're never going to know it. We're never going to know it. Why? Because if we want to find what God has for us next and to know our now, it begins being filled with the knowledge of his will. Remember Naaman? I was walking out the door tonight, and I started thinking about old Naaman. What did, what did God tell him to do? I want you to go down there in that old muddy Jordan River and dip seven times. What did Naaman do? What about this river? What about this river? These rivers are better. I mean, this is Tahiti and Hawaii. Why do I want to go dunk over in Siberia of Jordan? Uh-uh. God, hey, which one? God, pick one of those. I'll go to either one of those. God says, no, this is what I want for you. You've got to be willing to set aside your will in order to know his. Look at verse 9. To be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God's will is revealed the more our will gets concealed. John says he must increase, I must decrease. Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus sets the example himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he pray to the Father? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Thine be done. Notice that Christ is showing us the example. In order for his will to be done, ours has to go. Not my will, but thine be done. You see, God's not going to co-opt this thing with us. Wouldn't that be neat if God says, hey, why don't you tell me your plans for your life, and I'll show you my plans for your life, and we'll, we'll figure out a mix of the two. It doesn't work that way. It's all or nothing with God. And the more our life and our will becomes concealed, the more God's will begins begin revealed in our life, and then we know what our now is. So number one, it begins with knowing the will of God. The other day I was reading Proverbs 13, and I've, I've preached out of this, I've taught out of this verse so many times, but I've never thought of it in relation to an invitation. In Proverbs chapter 13, the Bible says that only by pride comes contention. I wonder what that means. It means only by pride comes contention. You find contention, you find pride. Guaranteed from the word of God. You have contention in your home, there's pride in your home. You have contention amongst your children. There's pride in your children. And I know they're sweet and I know they're beautiful and I, and I know that the greatest kids in the world, but believe it or not, it's in there. Why? Because they're humans. By the way, they got it from you. And mine got it from me. Mine got a double dose from me, okay? So when you find contention, you find pride. Have you ever been sitting in an invitation time and you feel tension? The invitation's playing, brother, he's singing just as I am. And man, there's just some, something going on inside. It's contention. Why? Because God has shown you what his will is, and you want what your will is, and only by pride comes contention. You see, no, 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 no. I want my will. God says, no, I want you to have my will. And that's why there's contention there. It's amazing. All of a sudden, you surrender and yield your will to his. The contention ceases, 
and you know God's will for your life. So number one, it's knowing God's will. How do we do that? I love the way this locks together. How do we narrow it down? Well, it starts with knowing God's will, a knowledge of his will. How do we know God's will? Well, keep reading verse 9. The Bible says, the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, oftentimes, God's will is viewed by Christians as some mysterious thing that only special people get to find. Man, they found God's perfect will for their life, and it's some mysterious thing that's just randomly going to happen in our life. Not so. Just because that's the norm in the Christian life does not mean that's how God intended it. The reason we have trouble finding God's will, number one, is because we're not willing to scrap our will. But then when you're ready to scrap your will to find God's, notice the criteria for how you find it. The Bible says, in all wisdom. Number two, how do we narrow down our now? It begins with knowing God's will. Number two, it continues with seeking God's wisdom. Seeking God's wisdom. If we're going to narrow these things down, all the needs, the opportunities, and the work that is out there, we've got to be willing to say, okay, God, I want to know your will, and I'm proving to you that I want to know your will by scrapping mine. That's step one. Step two, God, I want to narrow down your will, narrow down my now, and I'm doing that by seeking out your wisdom. Now, here's something I want you to hear tonight. Knowing God's will is not a matter of decision, okay? Knowing God's will is not a matter of decision where I've got to decide Tahiti or Hawaii, okay? Knowing God's will is not a matter of decision. It's a matter of discernment, all right? Stick with me there. Don't forget that. You need to know that. Knowing God's will, finding your now, fulfilling your now is not something you have to decide. Oh, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? No, God has already decided his will for your life. We just have to discern it. You know what discerning means? It means to draw a conclusion. God presents his case to us. God makes his will known to us. And all we're left to do is discern it. I'll give an example. My grandparents were missionaries in Mexico. And uh, I could speak decent Spanish as a kid. As a matter of fact, I went there as a teenager and taught Bible school in Spanish. Do not ask me to do it for you after service. I can't remember it. Brother Nate, it scares me to death to think that there are some kids whose eternity may hang on how well I spoke Spanish. I look, it scares me. I just pray God's grace. Lord, please bless the efforts, you know, of this ignorant 14-year-old who taught Bible school uh, in, the, in, in the church down there in Mexico that my grandparents built. Oftentimes, we would be sitting there in the church service, and they have songbooks in, in, in Spanish, okay? I can sound it out, and I know it means something, but I can't tell you what it means. I just hum along, watermelon, watermelon, you know, just trying to fill in the blanks so it didn't look like I, I wasn't wanting to sing. After a while, I would call someone over, hey, could you tell me what this means? They'd come over, and they'd start explaining it to me. I'm like, oh, that's to God be the glory. Now, watch this. I didn't decide that's what it said, it already said what it said. It was now up to me to discern it. And I called in some help. Hey, can you help me discern what this already says? That's where God's wisdom comes in. God has already established what his will is. God knows what his will is for your life. That's the exciting part. But the only way we're going to know how to unscramble all the need, opportunity, and work that's out there is to seek God's wisdom. God's wisdom. Now hear me out. Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding 
what the will of the Lord is. Notice it didn't say I had to decide what God's will was. You ought to be thankful for that tonight. I'm thankful for that tonight. I didn't have to decide to move to Central Baptist Church. I had to discern it was God's will for me to move to Central Baptist Church. You see, the decision was already made. God already had the plan. Do you know God has my life and your life mapped out until the day you die? He's got it all mapped out. And sometimes we're like, God, it looks like Spanish. I don't understand any of this. God says, look, don't worry. I've already decided it, but you need wisdom to discern it. That's where you show how serious you are about knowing God's will. What does the Bible say? James chapter 1, if any man, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask. You see, the first way you show God, I want to narrow down all the need, opportunity, and work that's out there. I want to know my now. Is you're willing to know God's will. God, I want to know it. I want to know it. But then number two, the way you show God that you're serious about finding and fulfilling your now is just to go, okay, God, I want you to show it. Show me. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to ask for it. I've told you this story many times. Boy, it comes to mind every time I read James 1. Years ago, I wanted to go spend a night with a friend, and I knew that the easy route was to ask mama. You know, I know in every home it's different. Sometimes mom is like, no, and you go to dad because he's a softy, or you know that dad's like, no, all the time. Dad's just a record stuck on no, right? No, no, no. And so then you go to, go to mom or vice versa. I knew to go to mom. Hey, mom. I want to go spend a night with so-and-so tonight, and I know tonight is Wednesday night church, and you don't let us spend a night on Wednesdays, even during the summer, because you don't want us to miss church, because that's not a good habit to get into. Amen. And, but, but I can't go all of these other days. Could I go tonight? And I was just hoping she'd say yeah, because once one of them says yeah, you blackmail the other one with what the one said, right? Mama said I could Got a permission from mom. And y'all are like one flesh, right? So when she says yeah, it means you said yeah too. That's scripture all day long. She said the dreaded words. Go ask your dad. That was a waste of my time. That was just a nice way of her saying no. Because she might as well said no. Because I knew dad was going to say no. And I said, well, I know he's going to say no. She says, well, if you really want to go, you'll go ask. I went and asked, and he said no. God says, you want wisdom? If any man lack, let him ask. You serious about your now? How many times have you asked? Ask, I want to know. I want to know what your now is. God, I'm not putting my options on the table. God, I'm putting your will out. I said, okay, God, help me to discern what your will is. I want to know what your will is for my life. It says, if any man lack... Let him ask. I don't know about you. There's times in my life I'm lacking God's wisdom. I'm looking at my life, and I'm thinking it might as well be Spanish. You ever do your life that way? Sometimes I look at your life that way. No, just kidding. You ever look at your life, and you're like, I don't understand this. It might as well be Greek. I mean, Brother Larson was posting some Chinese writing, our missionary to China. He was posting some Chinese writing a while back on his, on his Facebook page, and I'm looking at it. It's just slashes and dots and dashes. It's Morse code on paper. That's what it looks like. But it means something to them. And I'll guarantee you if I went to him and said, Brother Larson, what does this mean? He would come in and say, here's what this says. I don't have to decide what it says. I have to discern what it says. And I discern what it says by asking God for wisdom. I'm showing him I'm that serious. God, I want to know what my now is. The Bible says in James that the wisdom from above, James chapter 3, verse 17, the wisdom from above is pure. It's pure. 
I don't know if you believe this about yourself, but we're partial to ourself. We are. We're partial to what we want, and we taint God's will for our life. Look, it's not that God's not speaking clearly. It's the problem is we're giving ourselves bad advice. You ever do that? Look, I was on the way out the door tonight. I look, my wife has this nice little, little, little cake dish with the glass topper on it. And she's always got desserts under there, and I'm walking out. I know I don't need to, but I thought to myself, if I don't eat it, it's probably going to grow mold or something. And that would be wasteful, and that's sinful, and the recession we're living in, we don't need to be wasting. And I just talked myself into eating it before I walked out the door. Gave myself bad advice. Now, look, a dessert is one thing, but giving yourself bad advice about the will of God for your life is dangerous. You're going to miss out on what God has called you to do right now when the Bible says in James 3.17, the wisdom from above is pure. It's untainted. It's not partial. It's exactly what the Father wants for us. But we've got to seek God's wisdom. But wait a minute. In order to seek God's wisdom, we've got to abandon ours. Notice that theme all throughout knowing God's will. It's yield. I've got to yield to his will, and I've got to yield to his wisdom. If you ever want peace, you're going to be willing to do that. Oftentimes, the reason we don't have peace is because we've tainted what God wants with what we want. Proverbs 120, we read it in our family devotions just a few weeks ago as we were reading through Proverbs. It says, wisdom crieth without. Wisdom crieth in the streets. Now you think about that. Think about someone walking up and down the streets crying out. America's on fire. Everything's falling apart. And yet there's wisdom to be had. We could have the wisdom that we need for the problems that we face. But the problem is this. We don't want it. We don't want God's wisdom. Matter of fact, we're pushing God as far out of the picture as we can. Why? Because we want what we want. And that's why we're getting what we're getting. So number two, how do we narrow it down? We seek God's will. Number two, we seek God's wisdom. And then keep reading. We're going to hurry. I'm going to give you four points, and it's only 747. We're doing great tonight. Told you I was going to try to get you out on time. The Bible says... With, all, with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then look at verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. This is a progression of events here. If we want to narrow down all of the needs, opportunities, and work, find my now. I want to find my now. Number one, it begins with knowing his will. Number two, seeking his wisdom. But then notice there's an expectation. Notice that verse number 10 begins with a that. With what you just read in verse number 9, there's an expectation of action in verse number 10. That ye might walk worthy. Now, knowing God's will and seeking God's will are great. But sooner or later, here's our phrase for this year, that understanding must become an undertaking. Okay? You can say, God, I want to know your will. God, I'm seeking your wisdom. Okay, God's going to show it to you. But then you know what you got to do? You got to do something with it. God's will is not just something for us to have as intellectual property. God's will is marching orders for us to live by. Therefore, number three, narrowing down our now is learning God's walk. Learning God's walk. Verse 10, that ye might walk. That ye might walk. You know, Tonight, it's easy to desire God's will, isn't it? I think all of us do. If you're saved here tonight, and you may be the most backslidden Christian in here, I still believe there's something inside your heart 
that desires to do God's will. There's a little hunger in there, a little spiritual hunger pain. You know, we know physical hunger pains, don't we? I know it very well. My sound growls like a grizzly bear. You're sitting there, and boy, you hear, it's letting you know, man, I'm hungry. Our spiritual self has hunger pains too, and it hungers for God's will. But sooner or later, your desire has got to become an undertaking in our life. It's a walk worthy of the Lord. Now, folks, this is the hard part. God knows if you desire his will to know it or to do it. God knows. God knows if you are just, boy, I just want to know God's will. He can peer into our hearts. And God looks into our hearts, and God knows whether or not we're praying authentically. You know, I'm sure all of our kids have fooled us, haven't they, parents? We're not always the sharpest tack in the box. And our kids have fooled us and got something past us. They've hid their broccoli on the plate uh, underneath the mashed potatoes or something like that, and they fooled us. Do you know you can't do that to God? We can come down and we can bow and we can pray and we can cry and we can sweat and we can just, boy, God, I want to know your will. And God can peer inside of our heart and know whether or not we just want to know it or if we really want to do it. Do you know what will hinder you knowing your now, narrowing down your now, and doing God's will? Do you know what one of the greatest hindrances is? Not doing anything with it. God knows. Let me give you an example. They got awful quiet except for Brother Michael. So now we have to look at a reference scripture. That's your punishment. Matthew chapter 13. Turn away if you will. I'm picking. It's never a punishment to read the word of God. Matthew 13. I want to show you something. If God were to show it to you, what would you do with it? If God were to write it in a letter, put it in an envelope, and mail it to your house tomorrow, that you would know in black and white what God's will was, what would you do with it? Do you know? You may say you know, but God knows what you're going to do with it. And perhaps the reason tonight that we don't know it is because God knows we're not going to do anything with it. Let me give you a precedent. Matthew chapter 13, look down if you would at verse 54. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Watch verse 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He knew. He knew. And watch the first words of verse 58. And he did not. God knows whether or not we're seeking his will to know it or we're seeking it to do it. And the greatest example to God that we want to know what his will is for our life is that we're already doing what the known will is for our life. I've told people so many times in my ministry, don't pray for next until you're doing now. God, I just want you to know what I'm supposed to be doing next. Hey, he says, just do what I told you to do now. 
And we're sitting there and we're begging God, show me what you want me to do next. He says, do what I have already showed you now. And yet God looks down. He sees in our hearts that there's disobedience. He says, I'm not showing you anything else. And he did not. What a horrible testimony. I don't know that I've ever realized this, but verse 58 is the last verse in that chapter. That moment is over. Case closed. End of story. You see, when we neglect to do the known will of God in our life, if we don't believe what God has already given us, then don't expect God to give us anything else. How are we doing in the already made known department as we pray for what we do not know department in our life? It's like my kid when when she's growing up, and she's not grown, but she's more grown than she was when she was a lot smaller. Uh, That's how it goes, you know. And we'd go get some ice cream, and I would get two scoops. Leslie would get two scoops. She would say, can I have two scoops? I would say, no. She would say, why? I said, you will not eat it. Oh, yes, I will, Dad. Oh, yes, I will. Cotton candy. You know, you go to those yogurt places where they let you put your own toppings. Brilliant marketing. They let you do the scooping. Brilliant, because they weigh those things, and that's why it costs $15 for just a little quart of ice cream. She said, Dad, can I have two scoops? No. She says, why not? Because I'm your dad, and I told you. No, I didn't tell her that. I said, we got you two scoops last time. And I looked in the back seat of the car, and in that cup, there was a melted one scoop there left behind. You're not going to eat it. I know you're not. I know you're looking at it thinking, I could eat four scoops. No, you can't, because you've yet to finish off two. And we go to our father, and we say, God, give me another scoop of now. God, show me your will now. God says, how are you doing with what I already gave you? Maybe he's not working in your life because you've yet to work with what he's already given you. And he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. Sooner or later, you got to do something. There's a walk in God's will. You can't sit idle and ask God to show you for what you're supposed to do. He needs to look down and see some obedience in your life already. And when he sees you being faithful over the few things that you know for God's will for your life, well, then maybe he'll show you more things of what his will is for your life. But there's a walk. You've got to learn God's walk. And then finally, let me show you the payoff real quickly. Let me show you the payoff. You go back to Colossians 1, and you look down to verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord So what are we talking about? Narrowing down. Okay, how do I find mine now? Seeking God's will or knowing God's will. Seeking God's wisdom. Learning God's walk. Are you doing something with what you already know? And finally, watch the payoff. You know, I couldn't pass up another W, and there was one right there staring me in the face in verse 10. Being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. I don't know about you. That's where I want to be. I want to be fruitful in every good work. I want to fulfill my now this year. Fulfilling it means being fruitful. I want to be fruitful in every opportunity that God gives me. How do I do that? Well, I've got to narrow down all of the needs, opportunities, and works that are out there. How do I do that? Knowing God's will. I'm going to get serious. I want to know God's will. I'm going to take my will and slide it off and say, God, show me your will. And then I'm going to seek God's wisdom. Okay, God, I'm not exactly sure how to do this. Seek God's wisdom. God, your wisdom's pure. Help me sift this out. And then I'm going to make sure I'm already walking in God's way, making sure I'm doing what I already know. And finally, we fulfill God's work. We fulfill God's work. Oh, what a process it is to find and fulfill the will of God. But if it were easy, you know, everybody would be doing it, right? 
If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. I think about Abraham. When God told Abraham to take Isaac and to put Isaac up there on that altar. I'm sure Abraham, if you were to ask Abraham, Abraham, would you sacrifice something for God? Yeah, I'll sacrifice something for God. Abraham, what would you sacrifice for God? I'll guarantee you Isaac would not have been the first thing on his list. God, I'll give you half my wealth, all my wealth. God, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my land. God, I'll give you all this. I'll guarantee you. But no, God had something that he wanted from Abraham. God's will was hard. And yet Abraham was willing to go up and put Isaac up there on that altar. And Abraham was just willing to let God have his will in his life. And oh, Abraham got to see God work. But he had to be yielded to God's will. And I feel tonight, look, if we ever get a genuine desire to find and fulfill our now, we're going to be willing to seek out God's will through God's wisdom to be able to go along with it with our personal walk that we might fulfill the work. I want to see God work. You see people who God's worked in their life. I'll promise you, it didn't come easy. I talked to my mom today, and I got to visit with her going into the hospital and coming out of the hospital. And um, I said, Mom, I got to pray with her before she go. It's weird being your mom's pastor. And, uh, you know, on one side, you want to be the son who's scared and nervous. On the other side, you feel like you need to be the pastor who's strong and encouraging. I just, you know, going back and forth, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I took her by the hand this morning there at the clinic, and I, I couldn't go in there with her. Only dad could go in there with her. I said, Mom, I know God's going to work in this. I know God's going to work in this. And she came out this afternoon, and, well, she has a cut on her head. They went back in there and they cut that artery into work. And I could tell she was in some pain. And I talked to my dad this afternoon, and I could tell she was in some pain. But she knows that God's going to work through this. And she's willing to endure God's will so that she can see God work. It's not always easy. But oh, the contentment of knowing that you're finding and fulfilling God's will. The greatest discovery of your life is God's will. The greatest difficulty of your life is realizing it's God's. G-O-D apostrophe, it shows possession. It's God's, it's not mine. If we're gonna fulfill our now, we've gotta realize my will's gotta go and God's will has gotta take its place. And oh, the work of how God could be fruitful at Central Baptist Church in 2022 if we're just willing to yield to that tonight. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Our heads are bowed.